I'm Elizabeth Chopin, Editor-in-Chief of Design Anthology UK. Welcome to the Design Dialogues. In the final installment of our six-part travel series, produced in partnership with Accor, I'm speaking live to Anne Becker-Olens, Global Chief Design and Technical Services Officer for Luxury at Accor, from Raffles, London at the Old War Office. We'll discuss the role of heritage and legacy in today's hospitality design through the lens of Raffles, London at this iconic Whitehall landmark a feat of restoration and craftsmanship opening to the public for the first time later this summer. Hello, and welcome to the final installment of our travel podcast series with Accor. And a warm welcome to Accor's Global Chief of Luxury Design and Technical Services, Anne Becker-Olens, who will talk us through the journey of transforming the old war office, an iconic example of Edwardian Baroque architecture, and a grade two star listed building first constructed at the turn of the 20th century into what is now known as Raffles London at the OWO an ultra-premium hotel experience and private residences that will officially open this summer. Originally home to the Ministry of Defense, the Old War Office is one of the capital's most significant buildings with a storied history spanning both world wars as well as the Cold War, these walls notably providing inspiration for Ian Fleming's bond during his time in the Secret Intelligence Service, which was also located here. Tonight, we are sitting in the Haldane Suite, which was the very set of rooms Sir Winston Churchill used as his private offices during the Second World War. We feel extremely privileged to record live here tonight, as these rooms have never been open to the public before. And I'm told that the thousands of employees who worked in the Old War office during its heyday, very few of them were granted access to the second floor rooms, which were the offices of notable army leaders and senior politicians, which means we may be among the first. However, we will certainly not be the last, as part of the Raffles London hospitality concept is to welcome London and visitors in. This landmark destination will have 120 hotel rooms and suites, 85 residences, nine restaurants, three bars, and a world-class spa, all meticulously designed and restored in a collaborative effort by a team of experts, craftspeople, and archivists overseen by the Hinduja Group, EPR Architects, Ardmore, Accor, Raffles, and many more architectural and heritage experts. So welcome to London's hotly anticipated Raffles London at the OWO. And thank you, Anne, for being here to tell us more about this fascinating heritage design story. So to give our listeners a feel for this spectacular space we're sitting in today, let's go back to the beginning and talk about the scale of this project. Can you briefly explain the steps of the transformation? So what was done to this building to create Raffles London, which opens this summer? So from the structural changes to the reconfiguration and the timeline. (laughs) Thank you very much for having me here. Um, I could say I only witnessed it. Um, So I refer to time before I came into the project. And um, I think everyone is aware that this kind of project takes many, many years. We talk about seven years right now. So in 2014, the property was acquired. 
going through some probably very, very uh, intensive pitches in the background. I know some of those who pitched for it because it's one of the most prestigious properties in London. I think it was a big surprise that it was actually up for sale. Um, I think we're all very, very grateful that this property has been picked up by, by someone. And so what I got aware of when I started working on this project in 2018, that through the acquisition, there was already a lot of work done before. And knowing London a little bit, you have to go through a lot of heritage uh, consultations, approvals. You have to invite certain trusts. The Prince's Trust was involved. Uh, you have to, to, to really study schemes to make the best out of this property. And I, I'm pretty sure that was part of the pitch who can actually deliver the most uh, reasonable but also most respectful scheme for, for this property. When you come around, you, you see the face. I think it's, it's quite impressive when you see the face of the building. But you walk around and you understand it's a block. It's actually a block. It has a very unique shape. Each of the sides is different. Each of the facades for me as an architect look very different and have a different face. And each of the sides are very beautiful. Um, there are a lot of entrances, which you wouldn't expect because it was always this very, very enclosed property that they used before. Um, but now we see a building that is actually a hotel and a residence. And it's a combination that works very well and very fluent and very seamless. Um, I understand that also before my time again, there were studies done going maybe just for a hotel, just for a residence, for a mixed use. And what I inherited uh, as part of a big team was a very, very well-crafted scheme that we actually followed through. I think the result you see today is certain element of stubbornness amongst us, just not losing sight of the target and just not giving up on, on the high appreciation of having the opportunity working on this property, but also seeing more and more people getting involved and just seeing that everyone, like even today, everyone reacts to this building and being part of this team and, and delivering it and, and seeing everyone contributes in their best expertise that's for me what it makes, what it makes when, when you come in here today, it doesn't feel like an office. It feels like a very, very welcoming private residence. And that's what I think we wanted to achieve without saying it, but we wanted to be very luxurious, a very humble at the same time, a very um, welcoming property in the center and to show that this is what London is about. Definitely. I mean, I think that touches on a point that is very interesting about this project is that on the one hand you have a very complex and complicated restoration project but it's also an exercise in placemaking mm. so i wonder what was the vision for raffles london at the start what were the priorities when the hotel was being conceptualized because it seems like this idea of of being accessible and honoring the history here mm. and allowing London to experience mm. it was, was high on the list. Well, it, it was the vision, I think, coming from the owners and with the marriage with the operator, Ruffles, to um, not break it, right. to, to, to really protect what has been here. And anyone who walks the property, even in, in, in former days, could see that there is a lot of natural flow. Mm -hmm. And it's surprising to me because sometimes when I come across heritage buildings, when there are hotels, hotels being built 100 years ago, they have a natural flow. This was purposely, this was an office. 
Nevertheless, because of its central feature and the way you, you, you walk naturally through the building, it feels very, um, yeah, it feels like, like, like the pure hospitality. That's what you want to achieve. Um, and and the, the zoning, as we call it, the way we put functions into place happened very naturally. And I think we, we were also glad to have the right designers and architects on board who basically kicked off this whole thought process and, and defined with the owners, with, with us, the operator, to say, where could we see certain uh, areas like for restaurants, bars, ballrooms? Uh, and it, it, it was all very natural. That leads on to this idea that Mark Bruce of EPR Architects had mm. said about the very common sense point that this building was designed to keep the public yeah. out, you know, as the yeah. Ministry of Defense, yeah. it was designed a certain way. And that was the great challenge to, to create a welcoming hotel and residences that, you know, is world-class. So that does sound like it would have been an ongoing and, and very ornate challenge yeah. to do that. Yeah. So what were some of the, the ways that this was thought through and then carried out? Well, the challenge and the opportunity, of course, was constant conversation between all of us. At, at the end of the day, it should become a hotel. A hotel needs certain bag-of-house functions, as we call them, service functions, uh, which, of course, an office building doesn't provide. So we had to go, we had to dig basically into the basements. What you currently see is seven floors above ground, six floors below ground. You don't see them. If I show you a section, you you faint. It's, it's, it's a massive organism to provide the guests with the utmost delicate service and again seamless and genuine so we had to make sure that those services are provided in the background making use of the existing space but then when it comes to what the hotel should also be knowing london a little bit it should also host events so i i think we put a big burden on the owner's side we wanted to have a proper ballroom uh, in an office building, you can imagine there was no discussion about a, a huge function space. So we were very grateful that uh, it was decided to make use of the courtyard space, actually, and give us a double-height-spaced room, which is currently the quite impressive ballroom of seven, 800 square meters, 600 people capacity, the huge pre-function area, which also works as a celebration um, space. So we, 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 we tried to take the actual bones of the building, and make use of the space and where we could maybe improve in the basements, basically, we did. If we could improve the roof structure, because it was probably through the years of war and so on, it needed definitely an improvement. We enhanced the building, but it was all done with a lot of consultation with a lot of institutions in London to help us to really also, you know, protect the views. You know, if you, if, you, if you create, if you go through planning permissions, you have to respect the views from all different angles, 20, 30 angles you have to, to consider. So it, it, it goes step by step. It's not done in a rush, you know. And, and that's why some people that talk to me always wonder, why does a project take so long? It's not lockdown. It's not COVID. It's not crisis. It's because design needs time. And good design needs time. To paint a picture for our listeners, what is now on the subterranean floors and what is going to live down there? Beautiful, stunning ballroom with all the adjacent support areas, um, a pre-function space that's almost a third of the ballroom space, uh, adjacent meeting spaces, nine meeting rooms. We have spa and wellness over four floors entering from, from uh, the side street. So we have uh, taken the opportunity of having 
four facades basically to also open them to the public. You know, you enter the hotel from the front, you enter the hotel from the courtyard, but you also enter restaurants and bars and um, also the, 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 the wellness and spa facilities on one side, you enter them from the front. So you can, even if you're not a hotel guest, you can actually experience the hotel in just following the flow. And I would hope that it's very natural because the, the actual spaces, the corridors, the entrance hall defines where you go. It's, there's, no, there's no risk that you get lost. It's, it's rather, it's, it's very pleasant to walk and experience them. And going back for a second, what you touched on about how much of a collaborative effort this project was with with all the stakeholders involved, all of the historic um, input and consideration that went into it and the time needed. I mean, there was kind of, there was a veritable army of experts working mm, on this mm, over these years mm. and uh, to create this place. And all of them were essential to the result. And so what was your specific role um, and how did Accor oversee the wider team? How did it work? Um, we come in at a certain point when the building, its purpose is, is already clear. You know, we wouldn't come in and, and pre-develop. It's not our task. But we as, a, as an operator come in when there's still room to, to, to finalize the actual use of space. Uh, we continue advising on uh, how to build a hotel, very simply saying I'm an architect and I have a team of architects, designers, engineers. So there were two, three uh, lovely gentlemen involved from my side. Uh, we have engineers sitting in the background very quietly. We have IT specialists. And we start providing the owner's side with, with their consultants with the right knowledge at the right time to, to basically follow what we understand the brand should do, Ruffles, what Ruffles would like to um, service in, in this property, what Ruffles would like to, to give a guest at the end of the day as an experience. And we guide the, the owner's team through this whole process of design development, starting from the first, you know, two, two line drawing up to renderings. And, and we give input where needed. I think in this property, um, I personally tried to be very measured with our input because I felt it would be wrong to, to, um, to portray a, a brand vision and put it on top of a building that has so much history. I think it would have just been you know, kind of too much gravy on something very nice <laughs> yeah. or too much lipstick, too you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's, it's, I personally tried to protect the building more than probably I should have done. Um, so for, for me, it was very interesting to see how it also developed from the old war office to the oval and how it translated into everyone's mind. And I tested it. I tested it privately if people understood what it is. And, and you see it triggers. And Ruffles is, is just, you know, the the kind of juice that flows through it. Mm -hmm. And it should be very, um, yeah, very, very seamless. And it shouldn't feel put on top of it. It shouldn't over, over, overbear the actual experience. You know, this is not a hotel that, that shouts ruffles. Mm -hmm. It should, for anyone who stays there, should know it is a ruffled service. It's a ruffled managed hotel. But it's, it's first and foremost the old war office. And let's talk about the interiors for a minute. So Thierry Despont worked on the design for nearly six years. And broadly speaking, can you tell us how the spirit of the old war office was maintained and preserved, but updated for the 21st century? Mm -hmm. Because you can see that um, when walking through. It has, and it will be, um, in the heritage suites, for example, or the corridors, uh, or the entryway, the grand staircase. How How... 
were these protected or, you know, what decisions were made to ensure that, you know, the, the spirit of the old war office stays alive in, in this Raffles London destination? Well, I know that, that Thierry Dupont is, is an excellent designer that understands heritage and he understands the period that this building was built. He has also, being French, um, a kind of very clear understanding what Art Deco and what Art Nouveau is. Mm-hmm. So he can distinguish. And, and what he gives us is, is a mix of Edwardian interior design, you know, following like the room we are sitting in. It's, it's very rich and it's very Edwardian. It, it follows a kind of um, uh, heritage concept, a kind of conservatory look and feel with very modern uh, fabrics. But when you go further, when you go into other suites, you also see a twist between Art Deco and it, it falls into the period that this building was built, you know, and, and the Edwardian time was very short, but it was also, you know, there was Art Nouveau before and then was Art Deco afterwards. So he, he combines all the three styles in a very elegant French way, basically. And, and he, he, he gave us uh, a lot of material to talk about and to, to understand, actually. And, and we just followed him. I think we followed his advice. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, the interior design could have gone in a different direction. Yeah. It really could have gone uh, in a more contemporary yeah. Yeah. direction that you might suggest it yeah. doesn't have as much soul yeah. as what will be here. Um, and I wonder, you know, did that direction come from the top as well? It came partially. I think there was there was a commitment. There was There was a clear understanding that it would have been easier for me definitely easier for me to come in and say beautiful space all fine and I put some of these wonderful modern contemporary items in and it's it's a hotel mm-hmm. it's easy but I think it it's not um, it wouldn't satisfy myself not the team not what we think Ruffles should be Ruffles is a very old traditional brand it has a longer history than maybe the old war office but it's it's about combining the actual traditional services with what a building can do in terms of design so the design feeds into our vision of Ruffles. Nevertheless, you will find Ruffles that are ultra-modern and ultra-contemporary if the location and the property actually feeds into it. But to answer your question, this was a very conscious decision to not go into mainstream corporate hotel design. This is a very unique hotel. This is a very unique building. And I stand up for it. I, I think it's, it's a lovely combination of, it is a hotel, but it, first and foremost, it's, it's hosting guests. That's what it should be. Yes. Let's talk about this room that we're sitting in, the Haldane Suite, which once served as Churchill's offices, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think a lot of us are kind of blown away by. I said it before, but I have to say it again that some listeners, I need to remind them that in this building's history, nobody was allowed up on this floor. Mm-hmm. So this is really significant. And I wonder what elements have been preserved in this room? What elements have been taken away? I know that there's original paneling mm. and I know the mantelpieces mm. in a lot of the suites have significance and have been brought to other places. What can you tell us about some of these features? Well, the paneling is original, but it was actually kind of uh, <laughs> sidetracked by Mrs. Profumo, who decided that she wanted to have it lighter, brighter. Ah. So it, it was, I think, painted or stained, and it actually had to be brought back to the original look and feel. And ah. you can still see it. If you know it, you feel it. It's a bit um, fainter than the other panelings. It's not as rich. Um, but I think it, it, it was certainly due to, to actually bring it back to the original look, which is oak. 
um, and, and revarnish it again to what it looked before originally. Right. And what about some of the other um, heritage suites? So there are, what, five or six in there total? F- there are five heritage suites. Yeah. Okay. And they each have their own story to tell, design-wise yeah. and history-wise. History-wise. And also, I mean, they're, they're all basically what what were former offices or meeting rooms. So yes. they're all very different. Uh, again, to make them into hotel rooms means that you have to make a decision where do you put bathrooms, <laughs> dressing rooms, and so on. So... Um, what it does today is it's it's a very interesting mix of rooms that you can use as a meeting room, as, as a kind of private board meeting or private birthday party room with an adjacent bedroom maybe, or you can just have it as your suite. So each of the rooms has a very unique character. Uh, we are sitting here in a very uh, Edwardian room with very uh, elaborate colors and, and a lot of very strong interior design language, uh, which feeds into the time. Then we have suites that, that are a bit more in, into the kind of art deco language. Um, I know that Thierry Dispont is very proud of his um, Churchill suite, which he, he always referred to kind of Givenchy style with nice dark, heavy green, uh, which suits it very well. Uh, we are quite happy with our Ruffles suite, which has an, an Asian touch with a little hint into Singaporean roots, uh, which feels very light. And, and I would really, personally, I would like to, to have every guest seeing each of the suites and maybe come back and, and use another suite next yes. time or just use it maybe as a little function space for two hours because that's what they can do. They're not just only bedrooms with adjacent space. They're really, really nice living rooms. Yes, and they're all very distinct. You're yeah. right. Um, and I just should mention that the Churchill suite was the Army Council yeah. office yeah. where all major decisions um, in war were yeah. made, which for someone... For any history buffs who are interested in coming to see the building, because I'm sure there will be people who come strictly for that reason, just yeah. to be in these rooms to walk the halls where these things happened. Yeah. Um, you know, it's quite something to be able to walk in and say that desk is situated where, you know, Churchill approved D-Day, yeah. um, which is, you know, But it's also unique. interestingly, when you think about where those rooms were allocated, so the Churchill suite is to the courtyard. Right. For obvious reasons. Yes. So it wasn't exposed to the, to the outside. While the, the suite we're currently sitting in is the prime location. You know, you're sitting right. in the center of the building. You can actually connect the suite with, with rooms adjacent and you have space of 500 plus square meters. So there are some rooms that are really very prominent and others are purposely to the courtyard to be more private or more secretive. And um, we haven't touched on the famous staircase, but the alabaster staircase leads to this floor only. So there's a reason where um, certain elements coming from the former office building make sense, so that you arrive through this major staircase into these prime offices, which are now our heritage suites. And working within a grade two star listed building will have been a masterclass in problem solving. What were some of the major challenges that you had to work around, you know, when configuring suites or working within the corridors. I know that there are, um, you know, those the beautiful trenches along yeah, the, yeah. all of the corridors that I imagine wouldn't yeah. have been able to be touched yeah. uh, or changed. So what were some of those issues well, that you got coming around? with the first conscious decision that on the hotel side, on, on the basic square, on the first part of the, the trapeze uh, shape, the decision was made early on that this 
shouldn't go into any major structural changes on the upper floors. So in that moment, the corridors are hugely wide. They're three meters wide, they're tall, they're impressive, they have wonderful windows, you have daylight, and then you enter into your very private space, the guest room, which was a former office. Right. And I, I still find it very amusing that you actually stay in an office. <laughs> um, so the room does what a room should do, but the experience is you come you arrive, you go through this center staircase, you come to this wide corridor. So it's about being spacious and being generous with space. Um, and then you see certain elements. And I'm very, very sure that every guest will pick up on, on these famous floor grills, which are basically uh, one of the first underfloor uh, installations that you can find in those days where cables, telephone cables and electric cables, lighting cables were put through the building in trenches. Uh, unfortunately, that's not enough for today's technology, but we kept those trenches, we kept the grills, we restored the grills, um, and, and they gave us a beautiful ornament that you can also see in the design of the carpet. So it's again the strong language of uh, Art Deco, which is very graphic, so you find the graphic pattern in these grills, you find the graphic pattern in the carpets. Um, we took uh, reference from the, the strong color across the street, horse guards, to use the red, the strong red for the curtains in the corridor. Um, Thierry Despont developed a beautiful chandelier, very strong feature in the corridor. But again, it, 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 it lives of space. And so we kept the spaces there, but the biggest challenge was definitely out of the, the former use, uh, make it a hotel up to today's standards. And I don't want to talk about ESG, but it's also about ESG. Sure. So you have to make sure that whatever you do in terms of um, water storage, uh, water supply, the quality of your water, um, the air condition, the quality of the air, again, that you pump into the rooms, that it all fulfills not only today's you know, technology, but also the future. Because we want to set an example. And the beauty is you don't see it. You know, it's all behind these beautiful panels. Uh, we have everything provided. Uh, we have all technology in our meeting spaces. Uh, we have full security on all floors. It's a very safe building. It was before. It was very safe. It's super safe now. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's what you don't see. What you don't see was the challenge, you know, getting the infrastructure into the building, using the, the basements to actually put in those huge boilers and, and to reinstate some boiler rooms. Um, and then the next challenge for operations will be to overcome the length of corridors. You know, right. it's, it's a huge building, so you, there's a lot of miles you have to run here. 17,000 square feet of corridors, I think, or grills, grills. <laughs> it's so it's corridors. corridors. You walk, and you yeah. see it when you're picked up, you walk for a while. Yeah. I understand that the when the building was first designed by William Young and constructed, that there was a real emphasis on using British-made yeah. suppliers, yeah. materials. Was that a philosophy that carried through for yeah. this restoration? Totally. And, and, and even down to, to the chandelier that uh, was used now in the Ruffled Suite. You know, it goes back to a third-generation chandelier maker that brought back a chandelier, which is now back in the suite. So there is a continuation in story. And it, it's about British heritage. It's definitely a heritage building. Uh, it's a legacy in London. And we, we just continue the story. Do you have a favorite suite? Are you allowed to say? I would probably, if I could, have a night at the Levy suite. Okay, yeah. Because of the bathroom. Okay. Today I felt I'm again in love with the Ruffles suite. I'm not saying that because I have to represent Ruffles, but I really, really like the look I kind of like suite. that one too. I don't mind it. It's, it's more private, <laughs> but it changes every time I come here. Beautiful. And also we haven't touched on the corner suites that yeah. are named after female yeah. spies. Can yeah. you tell us about what 
people will find in the rooms that reference that? They basically follow, of course, the, the, the original design of, of each standard room. They have some elements. But the idea was to, to actually point out the, the, the history of certain eras in this building um, before the Second World War, during the Second World War, where uh, a lot of women were actually quite instrumental to, to help also um, the British uh, military system in Germany, my home country, to uh, spy. So it, it is a building where, where, where spies walked in and out, and um, we felt it was quite uh, adequate to, to celebrate maybe women. They were very brave and they're not known about. So each of the suites celebrates certain character. Um, they're on the corners. Mm -hmm. I could also say there's one corner suite, which I like a lot, but you see it, it changes every day. So sure. it's about celebrating their, their background and their history. And it will certainly be captured in, 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 in material to read. We haven't talked yet about the residences that are here. Yeah. Um, and I know that they'll be different as far as the design approach yeah. and the market yeah. uh, and the philosophy behind them. Can you just touch on that and, yeah. and what the thought process was there? So the residences scheme uh, started around 80, 88 units. Now we have 85. Um, it's, it's a very measured mix between three to five bedrooms, one to three to five bedroom units. Um, and um, it, it follows the market, but it does a bit more. I think what, what you see now, in, in, in contrast to what the hotel does, the hotel tried to stay away from changing the corridor width in, in, in regards to the residences. It's very clear that the corridors become part of your residence. So all of a sudden your residence, your private residence, has much more kind of a house feel. So um, if, if you walk the property, you might have noticed that it's a lot about the uh, mosaic on the floor, the terrazzo on the floor, and this goes through now in the residence unit. So all of a sudden, you open your residence a bit earlier than you actually enter a guest room, a hotel guest room, for example. So your private residence has a, a better space allocation to, to really fulfill the need of, of people staying here, of, of residence users, of the clientele that we would like to, to, to see in our property. And... Um, it, it gives a huge variety of, you know, bedrooms, and I believe not one unit is like the other. Like the hotel rooms, also they, they are standardized, but there is always a little change. And you will find, like hotel guests, you will find also residents, owners that, that appreciate that there is, with location and, and space and corridors added to their residence unit, you have a certain character in each residence. Not, not one is like the other. Going back to, for a second, for you know, the idea of working within a historic site like the old war office. Um, it's not new to Accor because Raffles, of course, has many heritage projects yeah, yeah. in its portfolio. Yeah. I wonder um, if you can share the brand's philosophy yeah. when it comes to heritage. It's a bit obvious because Raffles started with the Raffles Singapore, which is in the heritage, which is the colonial building that, where the story started with Sir Stamford Raffles. Um, where the bar story started, the, the Singapore sling was developed there. So there is, the heritage comes from 1887 um, and it started in a heritage building and we still develop these heritage buildings. We find them. Um, I hope Hindus just found us. So it, it's, it's a lovely marriage. Um, not, not necessarily we want to go into heritage buildings, but I personally feel it's, it's the right time to consider being very mindful about how to use space and how to use uh, existing buildings. And by accident, we're doing a lot more now in terms of heritage as we, we, we develop properties in Italy for, for other brands. But it, it, it also binds, it goes back to, 
I think something we all experience now coming through lockdown where space is a uh, value, but at the same time, privacy, um, exclusivity, but also then being inclusive. So the property size has changed. Also here, we are just talking about 120 keys. We are not talking about 200, 300, 400 keys hotels. And the same happens with any heritage building. You're not targeting those big hotel operations. So you become very individual, you become very bespoke, very tailored, um, and it's very guest-centric. You really, you really like to understand, you want to understand your guest who comes into this, this place. Right. Do you think that um, Raffles' other properties that, uh, you know, Raffles Singapore, for example, has the same philosophy of inviting the city in? Because in the, for the old war office, you know, this it almost feels like Raffles is a custodian of this yeah, gem. Yeah. You know, it's, it like you say, it's, how did you describe it? You're the, you're flowing through this building. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing that struck me about it was about the project yeah. and, and speaking to different people, including yourself about the approach is that it was really important to make sure that London was brought in um, and moving away from that idea of exclusivity and keeping the guest yeah. out, really bringing the city in and inviting them in and, and, and creating and designing so yeah. that they will come, which is, which is you know, a unique thing. It's not which, which, across the board. Which is the intent, which is the intent, hopefully, of any hotel operator or any, any property. We are open to public. Um, I, I, I know that also over the, the, the last five, six, seven years, it has been demonstrated that the construction site was open for public with 10 days a year being open for public. Um, this will be continued, but of course, anyone can come here anytime. The building has, uh, funny enough, a lot of doors, <laughs> although it was very, <laughs> yeah. very confined in the old days as an office, very secured. But it is actually beautiful doors to enter really all the spaces and yeah. to, to, to really enjoy just the restaurant or just the barbers or just the spa or just the lobby, listen yeah. to music and or just walk through. I hear that actually for a certain number of days a year that people can book to come yeah. and perhaps they, they, they aren't going to stay here, but they yeah. want to see the suites yeah. and they want to walk through yeah. the rooms. Um, that that's actually going to be yeah. possible as well, which is really it will be possible. And wonderful. I think also you can't expect that everyone sees everything at the same time. You know, even if you stay here as a guest, you will certainly have an opportunity to see a bit more. But anyone who is interested will get a guided tour. Brilliant. Well, I'm going to sign up sure. and come this summer when it's open. Sure. <laughs> thank you so much, Anne, for for speaking to me about this wonderful project, and thank you for having us here. Um, we are delighted to share in this moment and we're very sure all of our readers are going to enjoy coming and exploring the building and seeing what you've done which is beautiful thank you done. thank you so much